Hey, Foreclosure Fix family, and welcome to another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. I am your host, DJ Alojo, and if the mission to help a million homeowners resonates with you, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, and share the content with someone who you know it may help. Also, go ahead and take a second and leave us a review or hit that five-star like button, y'all. In addition to that, check us out at www.theforeclosurefix.com. There you can get access to tons of resources to help you. Also, you can pick up a copy of our new book called The Foreclosure Fix. With that, I am looking forward to our conversation today. And all I can tell you is that the person who is on the other end of this podcast is going to bring some serious energy um, because he is always, always looking for a good time and brings the energy with him. Y'all, welcome to the podcast, Patrick Franz. Franz, thank you, DJ. Uh, DJ, I was going to do the same thing. I, I just make sure I had you pronounce that again so I knew it was a lojo. Oh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, we, we're going back and forth on the names. It's funny, Absolutely. but uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate watching you grow, come out of nowhere with this mission, right? And helping people uh, avoid foreclosure and helping people understand how to properly work with uh, lenders and things like that, man, is such a great mission. I'm so I'm so stoked on it and I'm just happy to be here and maybe provide some value as, as much as I can. So thanks. Well, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to to share with our listeners kind of your journey and your story and all your great advice. And before we dive deep into kind of your background, let me let you all know that Patrick is someone who has stared down the barrel of foreclosure, if, if I can say that, right? And he is now very successful on the other end of that scare. And so I'm really, really excited for him to share his story. He's a developer. He is a uh, a capital raiser and is a managing partner in a fund that is doing some amazing things in the real estate space and in the note space. And more importantly than anything, though, he's a husband and a father and really, really loves his family. He also does not have a bad golf game or so they say. So we're going to dive in deep today and really talk through what that journey was like for him and how he is able to rebound on the other end and be successful. And so with that, Patrick, just kind of help our listeners understand a little bit more about you and what things happened that got you to that point where you were staring down foreclosure. Yes. Uh, dang, you're you're awesome at this. Hard to follow, man. I love your energy, by the way. Okay. Uh, you must have just such a great audience. Proud to be here to tell my story a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it's life happened. <laughs> okay. Life happened. And that's that's the thing. That's the thing. And that's why I love your show. Okay. It's not that um, the things that may happen that may be avoidable, uh, like maybe certain types of drug addiction or gambling habits or these kinds of things where people get themselves in such a bad financial spot and it's like, well, shame on you. Okay. But other than that, man, life happens and there's a lot more life happens to people than, than those circumstances. And so, um, you know, I was a sales manager and so I was in a career that was based on production and, and constant energy and time for money trying to make more quota, trying to do more volume, trying to hire more reps and build up more <clears throat> volume. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you get sick or if you get injured, if you get divorced, if you get any of these any of these types of things happen in your life, life happens. 
um, that can put you in a bad financial position. And so what ended up happening with me is that I, I had some injuries via sports. I was real big into athletics. And so I had a, a couple of knee surgeries and, and things like that. And it kind of took me out of my, my game and my hustle for uh, quite some time, you know, maybe like a year or two. And that caused my pipeline to dry up and all of those things I built with time and hustle in my career, but there was no fallback. There was no fallback. I didn't have passive cash flow. I didn't own assets. I was really just hustling, trading my time, my efforts each day, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and creating results with that. But when the pipeline dries up and, and you go to get back to it and you have to rebuild all of it, sometimes you can get placed in a pretty bad financial position. So that's what happened to me. Um, and I was facing foreclosure. So I get it, man. That's why I love your vibe. I love your mission. I love this show to be a part of it because I've been on all the ends of the spectrum, folks. You know, I've been broke. Anybody else vibe with that? I know what it's like to be. Broke. Hey, man, man, trust hey. me. It's uh, being broke is 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 a season of life, hopefully for most people and not a, a, a perpetual uh, cycle. Right. So let, let's go back a little bit because you, you talked about you were a sales manager. And I think, you know, you're downplaying your story a little bit. And I know this because, you know, we've talked about this uh, at conferences. Right. And we've had these heart to hearts. But you weren't just a regular sales manager. You were a very successful sales manager and you had numerous different high stress, high level positions, and you were making good money and you were doing things when from the outside perspective, looking in were phenomenal and you were very good with your money. It wasn't a situation where you were reckless. It just was like you said, life happened. Right. And fast forward, you're in this situation, you're, you're staring down that, that, that foreclosure. Help us understand like your psyche at that time. Help us understand, help our listeners understand like what were you thinking? What was your mindset on how you were going to kind of get through that time? Man, first of all, you go through all those stages in the beginning of like, uh, you know, denial and regret and uh, and uh, questioning. How about that question? How did I get myself here? Right. I, all this stuff and none of it's positive, man. So you go through all that just like anybody else would. It's normal. And, you know, you have this house you work so hard for. Most people work their butts off to get the darn place and, and then to to try to keep it. But yet be in jeopardy of losing it is just disheartening. So that's where I was at. <laughs> that's where I was at and, and trying to figure out how can I turn this around and not only continue to, to make my normal mortgage payments, but also darn now you got yourself in a hole. You got to try to make extra money even over and beyond, try to catch that up and everything. And sometimes, you know, it looks pretty bleak and, and uh, I understand it did for me. And so, um, you know, along lines of where your show, I'm sure of course leads into, and I'm sure we're going to repeat a lot of the same things as some of your other guests that have been on prior to me in this business. But uh, it was about communicating with the bank that had my mortgage, number one. Number two, it was about me being very upfront about the fact that I am willing to bust my buns and do anything I can to keep the place and work with them and try something. Can I get on a payment? You know, I was there trying to hustle. I wasn't, I wasn't ghosting the bank or, you know, or ignoring their letters or their emails or anything. I was right on it to say, no, I don't want to lose my house, please. I want to do anything I can to keep it and so forth. So that communication was really key. Right. But at that time, which was, I guess, 2013, there was, um, there were some, loan modification programs being instigated uh, for large institutions like the Wells Fargo's and the Chase Banks, the Bank of America's, the big guys. Um, be, they were being motivated to do loan modifications because of how bad the market had become after the crash of 08 and all the bad lending. So there were some programs there that were available for people like me to be able to reach out, do work, 
right? Type in tons of paperwork, go to websites and, and put the applications through. And you got to do all that if you're in that position, guys, like I was. And you do that and you communicate well. And for me, it worked out that a loan modification uh, program was offered to me, which uh, was able to be the savior in being able to keep my house, not have to catch up oh God, 40,000 or 30,000 or whatever it was in like arrearages and penalties and things that had added up and so forth. I didn't have to catch all that up. There was a modification that tied that balance that I owed in arrearages and so forth to the back of the loan um, as kind of a second, I guess you would, second lien position. And then the original, the original loan was modified to put a payment that I could afford because they put me through underwriting again as a bank would to see what modification would work out for me. So they had, I had to prove my income. I had to prove I was back to work after my knee surgeries. I had to prove that my income was going to start being such and kind of prove that I was there. Uh, and thankfully I could prove that. And um, I was qualified for a loan modification that kept me in that house. Right. And you know, it's funny. I, I DJ, I, so, I sold that house in 2019 uh, when I got into the other side of this game, which is being the mortgage note investor, <laughs> you know, but I sold, I sold that house. And so that house increased amazingly in value from 2013. When I got that loan mod to 2019, when I sold it, it ended up being a great choice and a great investment and a great spark to my investment career. It was a great place to live. It was awesome. And in the end, uh, I avoided foreclosure. I was able to afford staying there. And I was one of those great success stories of being ready to be foreclosed on and booted, but a loan mod saved me and I was able to get back to hustle and keep the place and it all worked out in the end. So, you know, I get it. Patrick, man, let, let, I need to stop there for a minute. I'm going to congratulate you. You get, you get a standing ovation for me on that one. But I want to stop there because you said so many different things in that passage, right? That I really want our listeners to, 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 to take and jot down and really make sure you dive into because you glossed over them, but they are key points that I think everyone needs to understand if you are facing foreclosure. The first thing that you said is that you went on all the websites and you did all the work, right? So you weren't just sitting down waiting from a, for an angel to come out of the sky and, and make this go away. You were actually putting in work you were actually calling people. You were actually busting your butt to find solutions that would make sense for your situation. That's the first thing I want everybody to know, too. The second thing is that there was a significant amount of time, 2013, all the way up to 2019 when you finally sold the property. So there were six years that you were on that modification, right, that you were paying, that you were doing all the right things before you sold the property and made a nice profit. And so one of the things that I always talk about with folks is that keeping your home is sometimes the best idea. And the reason is, is because if you would have sold that home during that market, you would have not made any money. You probably would have lost money or had to do a short sale. But because the home met your needs, it was a great location and it made sense for you at that time, you were able to keep that home, live in it, enjoy it. And then six years later, you now get a big fat check when you sell it to be able to go on and buy a different home, make a different investment and move on. And home ownership is so important and it's so powerful. And folks who are facing foreclosure, you're already at half the battle. Like you own the home, but it's just about keeping it, man. And so I appreciate you sharing that story. Appreciate you peeling back layers of the onions and being transparent about, about your journey there. Now you sold the home and you made this profit. Right. And now you are a fund manager and you are investing in notes and you're talking to people who are in your who were who, who are in your exact same situation. 
The tables have turned. You are now the bank, right? Help our listeners understand kind of what that looks like for you now today, what that looks like in your fund, and kind of how that situation has shaped how you deal with homeowners facing foreclosure in your own business. Mm -hmm. Well, there's always two sides to the coin, isn't there? Uh, when there's a when there's a mortgage loan, there's the borrower, and that's usually us. And we're used to feeling the brunt of everything as the borrower, uh, and having to work with the bank, um, um, you know, and and we feel the pressure of staying current on our payments, and we're always busting our butt to keep the place right. And we've all been there. We get it. And I just never understood the other side of it, the bank's side of it, in being in that same exact scenario, being the bank, being the lender. And collecting the mortgage payment from the borrower and being on that side of the coin, uh, I never understood. And I got, I was taught this, oh gosh, in 2018, uh, I really started getting my education. And then in 2019, I really started to um, move towards mortgage note investing as a vehicle for my portfolio versus being a landlord or versus I wasn't building apartments back then or any of that. I just was attracted to, um, and I guess from my background, to be honest, I was attracted to uh, being able to, as an investor, um, step into the bank's shoes where maybe I'm not such a large institution that the borrower just becomes a number on a computer screen. <laughs> you know, uh, I can pay more attention to each of the assets I own. And I said, well, you know, I, I was my savior for thankfully um, the big institutions in 2013 being literally being motivated by the government to offer loan pro modification programs for anybody that would apply for one because you know how bad the market was for them back then. So they were desperate just to get anything going so that people would start paying again. They were um, in a disaster mode. So thankfully that was the savior for me, right? And it allowed me to stay in that house in which I was able to get back on track and live in, like you said, for six years. And in the end, the bank was happy. They got all their money. They didn't have to foreclose and deal with real estate. They just got all their money like they wanted. And in the end, it helped me out because I stayed in my home and then I sold it for profit and so forth. Well, I was like, well, the bank's side of it is pretty cool too as a mortgage note investor, but maybe I could be, if I own someone's mortgage, maybe I could be the savior for a family, for a person, like what happened to me in 2013. And what's cool about mortgage note investing, what I figured out, and of course, why the banks were okay doing this for me in 2013 and all this, it all kind of comes to fruition, is the fact that as the, the note investor, I can really make a fair profit as an investor, which is what investors are looking for, right? I, I want to make a good return on my money. That's all neat and nifty. But what's cool about note investing in the banks, being in the bank's position, is that I figure I can really help a lot of families. I can save people from foreclosure. I can do great things like what was done for me in 2013 to maybe do a great modification to get the family back on track and make these great win-win scenarios, really help people and families that need help, need the help. And at the same time, by helping those folks uh, make a good profit. And I think what, what better type of an investment vehicle is there, you know, where no one needs to lose and, and everybody can win. <laughs> so that's kind of what drew me to it a lot, DJ. And I got into like buying um, non-performing notes because of that reason, buying notes from bigger banks and funds that didn't want to deal with the workout process, didn't even want to spend the time to do a loan mod or anything, just were charging non-performing paper off their books or something. I would buy that. And then of course, as an individual with a small team, I was able to t pay very close detailed attention to that one specific asset. And then therefore through my loan servicing company, reach out and offer things like loan modifications and such. Like I got in 2013, and like start helping people while helping myself. And, you know, it's kind of, 
snowballed from there, I guess. So now I have a fund where we're buying uh, larger pools of these mortgages uh, so that we can help more families um, and also help our investors at the same time because we get that win-win scenario of this situation. So we're all about communicating with our borrowers if our borrowers are all about communicating with us. And guess what, DJ? Interesting. We're all about bending over backwards to help our borrowers if our borrowers are willing to bend over backwards to help themselves. Isn't that a funny dynamic? Yeah, I know. It definitely is. And one of the things when you are on the bank side of the business and not necessarily the the homeowner side of the business is that you as the bank, you match the energy of the homeowner. And this is one thing I want homeowners to understand. And what I mean by the bank matches your energy is that if you are proactive and not reactive, the bank is proactive and not reactive. If you are looking for out-of-the-box solutions because you really want to keep your home and you're willing to put in a lot of work, the bank is willing to put in a lot of work to help you save your home. But if you are saying, oh, I want to keep my house, but you don't have a solution, you don't have a plan, you're not trying to get extra income, you're not willing to fill out the documents, you're not willing to do anything more than just say, I want to keep my house, I guarantee the bank is going to say, okay, no problem. You keep you keep that same posture and see what happens, right? And so it's definitely one of those things where the energy of the homeowner is going to be matched by the people on the other side of the coin. And you speak to that in your business and you see that in your business. Um, when you think about your fund and you think about the homeowners who you see being successful and the ones you don't, what are the biggest kind of differences between the ones who who fail at trying to save their homes and you have to actually foreclose on them and the ones who actually get a workout or a modification or some type of forbearance done? I mean, there's kind of really levels to it. I, I don't know if anybody's written a book on this or if it's in your book, DJ, haven't had a chance to read your book yet. Uh, but, you know, there's just levels to it. And it's I, I think it's kind of funny in a way. But in serious note, there's levels to it, right? As a As a lender now in the bank's position, and I have a borrower that's being being late on payments and almost maybe even coming into default and so forth. Well, uh, my fund, of course, and, and me personally, I, I want to communicate immediately because I'm trying to communicate to see what I can do to help. I'm not coming at like uh, I'm not coming at as like a, a somebody with authority and, and uh, I'm trying to threaten anybody. Of course not. I'm trying to see, hey, hey, what's going on here? How come you're missing mortgage payments and how may, may I be able to help? And so that's how it all begins uh, in our case. I can't speak for other funds and banks, but for our case, it's like, oh, no, uh, this folks are missing their mortgage payments. We need to probably figure something out. Maybe we can help them. That's our take. So immediately we would send like an email and a letter probably through our servicing company saying, hey, we've realized that you're a little bit behind on your mortgage payment and we'd love to be able to help. Just communicate. What can we do? You know, reach out. Let us know. You know, we're just looking for, hey, what's going on? What's the story? Can we help? Well, the, the first level is we get zero response. There you go. That's level one, right, DJ? They don't respond to the letter. They don't respond to the email. They don't answer the phone. They ghost us. Well, what can we do to help you if we can't even communicate with you? So there you go. That's level one. Okay. Level two is uh, you, you get the letter and you go, ah, and you know you got the letter, but you're like, nah, you know, whatever. Okay. Or you call and you go, yeah, yeah, I know, whatever. I'll get you the payment at some point. All right, get off my back. I guess that's like level two because at least you're kind of communicating. But there yeah. is no there is no sense that the lender gets that you're really like, you know, wanting to get back on track, that you want to do something, that you're looking for workouts, uh, options, nothing. 
Now that's kind of like level two. Um, at least you're the, the other one is level three, where as soon as you get a letter and you go, Oh my goodness, obviously the bank is noticing I'm a little bit late on my mortgage now. And I kind of get, I'm late. I haven't reached out to nobody, but Ooh, I got a letter. And that level three is I'm going to reach out right now. <laughs> like I got the letter. I'm calling them right now and say, I got your letter. Hey, I got your letter and be really proactively communicating when they're proactively trying to communicate and just do that. Match them. Like DJ said, match that energy. They reached out with a letter. You reach right back out and say, I got your letter, man. Let's talk about this. That's wonderful. And I guess level four, <laughs> it would be that you already know you're late. You don't, you, you don't got to wait for the bank to catch wind of it and get through department to department and then finally get to put a letter together in the mail to send it out to you to finally remind you you're late. So level four is like, you, you late, man. Call your lender. Call your lender and be like, hey, I want to let you know that I know I missed my mortgage payment. Okay. And my plan is I'm going to pay for it. Right? I'm going to pay you, but it's not going to be till the 16th. I know it's due on the first and I know it's already the second. But I'm calling you, let you know I'm missing it. I just want to let you know, man, be honest. I'm not able to make my mortgage pay, but I'm going to make it on the 15th. I got money coming in. So I want to let you know. That's, I guess, like, you know, level four. That's like super borrower. Okay. But th at those levels, you see there's, it's, it's advantageous not to be a borrower at level one. It's very advantageous to be level four. And if not, then maybe at least just level three. If a lender reaches out to you through letter, email, or phone call, answer, communicate, respond, be there to try to work something out. And I promise you, I don't know what the odds are, but DJ in my portfolio, it's like 97% of the time. It's going to work out in your favor and something's going to happen that we keep you in the house and we get you back on track. And that's the facts. But you know, if you're level one, man, that's when you go to foreclosure. If you're at level two, that's when maybe you get on the wrong side of the fence with the lender. Yeah. And there might be some animosities and they might, they might, Think, well, this borrower is playing us and not even, you know, that's even worse. You don't want that either. So just communicate like a normal human being. Admit your faults. Let, let them know when you're going to be late. Let them know how you plan to catch up. Make sure that's okay with them. Make a plan. That's all, all you do, man. And 97% of the time, you're going to avoid foreclosure. Patrick, man, that is the title of your next book, man. The Level 4 Borrower, man. That, that, that's it right there. The level four homeowner, man, you, you, you already got it, man. You already got it broke out. That's chapter, that's chapters one through four, you know? So no, but I think that is one of the best kind of summaries that I've heard on kind of the, the state of a borrower and where you need to be, man. But with that, that brings me to my favorite part of the podcast, which is our bow tie round. It's where our listeners get to tie one on with our guest, Patrick Franz. All right, y'all with that, the, being Bowtie Round stands for your best advice for someone facing foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for. And the W stands for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. So with that, Patrick, what is your best advice for someone facing foreclosure? Maintain very, very good communication and uh, make sure that your lender understands that you do intend to keep the place, that you do intend to do anything you possibly can to keep the place, that you have money, that you want to get back on track, that you're back to work, that whatever the scenario was that caused you to get behind in the position where you're at is something you're going to solve. And you'll be able to solve it over time if they'll work with you. And that's all really the lender's looking for. So get in communication and uh, make a plan, make a plan that your lender agrees with, which they will most of the time if they know that your plan is to catch up and pay again. Listen, the lender wants you to pay. So if you say, hey, lender, guess what? I'm going to pay. 
They go, great. Okay. And they'll work a way out for it to happen that's comfortable for everybody. So communicate. That's my best advice. Yeah. So you're saying be a level four borrower. I got you. 100%. Be a level four borrower or at least level three. Okay. I got you. All right. Your the one thing you're grateful for right now. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for the uh, people in my life, the blessings the good Lord has bestowed upon me, the responsibilities I've been gifted to be responsible for, um, the growth in uh, my life, my family's life, and uh, the ability really at the end of the day, because of who I'm growing into, the ability to serve a lot more people on this planet. And that's that's the real key. But I'm able to serve a heck of a lot of people now um, in the position I'm in than I was, you know, several years ago. So growing, learning, becoming a better person to serve more people is really what I'm most grateful for. That's, that's so much to be grateful for. Your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. Oh, goodness gracious. Where I helped this family, great family, man. I helped them. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I bought this non-performing note and I helped a family with a, a loan modification uh, that really worked out for them. Um, and I don't want to get into crazy details and bore you with numbers and all these good things. But as an investor, as a note investor, when I bought the non-performing note, uh, of course, foreclosure could be there. But for me, last resort is foreclosure. But they were kind of in jeopardy of being foreclosed upon. And I knew that buying that note, taking the bank's shoes, a bank that just didn't want to deal with the workout with the homeowner, a bank that probably didn't want to foreclose and deal with the real estate and all. And that bank just wanted to get rid of that note. To me, somebody that might go through all the trouble of a workout or a foreclosure and that. So that's, guys, how the note investing world works. But I ended up buying that um, non-performing note. And uh, all through all options we could do, like a loan modification or a deed in lieu of foreclosure where the borrower would just deed the house back to the bank and walk away, or a cash for keys situation where I might be able to help them move financially and get a new place and avoid foreclosure, or then end all be all foreclosure. Well, as the note investor, I had all those options. And I remind the borrowers, as as the borrower, they also have all those options, <laughs> don't they? Don't they? So, so in yeah. the end of the at the end of the day, the, this family wanted to keep their house. Of course, they want to keep their house. Uh, broken back and injury at work and surgeries and and out of work and all sorts of crazy life life happened to this poor family. And uh, so, what I was able to do is is same thing that happened to me in 2013. Man, is I was able to help this family avoid foreclosure help them get back on track. I did a loan modification for them. They could afford it. They got back on track. These guys paid their mortgage for like two and a half, three years. In that time, their property went up like $50,000, $60,000 in value. The folks now are retired and on permanent disability. They're moving to, from Wisconsin, uh, uh, or excuse me, not Wisconsin, Michigan. They're moving from Michigan to Florida to retire, get some sunshine, right? This pe these people I helped out. And they're able to now listen to this, sell the house, to their grandson, their grandson's now buying the house. So they're going to sell the house. I get paid off as the lender. So I'll be out of the deal and all that. But I did this loan modification two and a half, three years ago and, and helped them out then. But as the investor, I've collected some great cash flow over the last uh, 24 or 36 months off of this deal because they were performing again, making a mortgage payment again. Uh, and the house went up so much in value. DJ, they're selling the house to the grandson. The grandson, this young young hustler who's doing really well, wants to be a real estate investor, is going to actually live there and do real estate in that area and so forth. So it's passing on generation because the house got saved. House got saved. And then um, the guy's moving to Florida. He's going to sell the house and make equity now. Because just by him getting back on track and making mortgage payments for the last three years, the equity of his house went way up based on what he owes me from the loan lot. 
So boy, it's like a crazy win, 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 win scenario all over the place. Me as the node investor, I did some family really good. I helped them just like I got helped in 2013. Oh boy, I made a great return on my investment, helping a family out. The guy gets to keep his house. They lived there the last three years, got back on track. They sold the house. The guy's going to pocket, I don't know, 60,000 bucks. You know, when he sells the house, take the 60 grand, go use that as a deposit on a new house in Florida for his retirement. Grandson gets to have the house now and buy it from his grandpa. I'm like, this. that was one of the coolest stories, like I think in my portfolio all around. No, nah, that was a crazy win, 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 win. And like you said, that family stayed, that house stays in the in the family and everybody wins. The lender wins, the homeowner wins, the next generation wins. And I think that that echoes why we are so passionate about helping 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. The fact that we are looking for win-win solutions where everyone can benefit and prosper. Patrick, we appreciate you hopping on the podcast, sharing your background, your story, peeling back the layers of the onions, and letting our listeners know what a level four borrower is. Please do us a favor and let our listeners know how to follow your journey, how to get in touch with you if they want to reach out. Uh, well, I named my fund after my daughter. Her name is Everly May. And so you can go, uh, you can email me if you'd like to reach out and ask any questions about anything from uh, the show or about node investing, patrick at everlymay.com. And, you know, just shoot out an email, just shoot out an email. And we do have the Invest Brilliantly YouTube channel where we talk more about the bank's side of being a node investor. And I think, you know, now that I've been on your show, DJ, I think I will drop some content on our channel for the borrowers and be a part of this cause, baby. I love it. Save hey, people man. from foreclosure. Yeah. I, th I think that's awesome, man. And I, I can't do this by myself. Um, There are other people out there like you, like other node investors and other people who just have a heart for helping homeowners in foreclosure. So if you do find yourself in a situation where you're facing foreclosure, you can do so many things. One, we always remind you, get help. There are agencies out there and help from the government is always free. So you don't have to pay for it. You can always pick up a copy of the book, The Foreclosure Fix, 12 Proven Steps to Beat the Bank, Escape Foreclosure and Turn Your Property into a Profitable Asset. Or you can check us out at www.foreclosurefix.com for more information and more resources. That ends our episode. And I really appreciate y'all for tuning in. If the mission to help a million homeowners resonates with you, do us a favor, like, subscribe, and share this podcast with someone who you know can help. Patrick, thank you so much for being on today. We appreciate you. To all the listeners, I love you and God bless you. Thank you. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.